You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang! Hi, gang! Welcome to the Watch Along Critical Commentary Podcast of the television show Riverdale, recorded on the unceded, that means stolen by white people, uh, <laughs> territories of the uh, Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Um, if you are following the news at all about our area of the world, in fact, perhaps all of North America <laughs> oh. at this point, um, the uh, unceded and stolen by white people is particularly um, underlined... Canada's in a little constitutional crisis of international law breaking through police violence. But anyway, that's just the land this show is filmed on. Yeah. That's only, <laughs> oh yeah, just the land. That's it's only just, on every you know. single frame and every single aspect of this show. Well, hey guys. Coming back to the murders folks. in this show, um, <laughs> we... Um, uh, I missed uh, the episode where Jughead dies. Where it all happens. Um, though we did catch up with you uh, in our little hiatus episode. If you're one of the people who skipped those, legitimate. Legitimate. Chloe reacted. I did react. Um, I also, um, uh, we're also doing something kind of fun today, which is that <laughs> um, we miscommunicated fun. and Ryan hasn't seen the episode yet. Yep. Um... The episode is, uh, I find it, I'd be interested to see how you feel because I find it a little uneven. Mm. Um, but, and now I'm suddenly feeling like maybe Jughead hasn't actually died. Okay, okay, okay. But we'll see. It's been a while since I've gone in fresh, uh, accidentally or not. Uh, we've done a couple of episodes where straight watch and react, but I'm, I'm excited for you to... Analyze me? Does that make sense? Yes, I am, I'm excited for that too. Um, if Jughead is dead, isn't dead actually? Um, I don't understand <laughs> why some people don't know certain things. Oh, okay. If Jughead is dead, I, I have. Uh, there's all sorts of feelings I'm having about the show. Let's jump in, maybe. Great. There are two parallel sets of hypothetical questions to come to at the end of this. Yep, pretty much. All right, gang. We're gonna we're gonna badoom along. If you want to sync, watch and uh, watch along with us. Otherwise, enjoy this um, disembodied commentary track. Yeah. All right. Ooh. Netflix is up and oh. pressing the play button. Badoom. We almost we almost missed that. Yeah. Anyway. Jughead's narrating. Yeah, but he's dead. He's on fire. But no, he's not on fire. All the stuff's on fire. Oh, okay. So they're not just they're not incinerating Jughead. Uh no. Okay. So well this lends credence to what a lot of very smart friends of mine have guessed that it, this is book. This is his book. This is totally his book, isn't it? Yeah, I'm wondering about that. Um, so what I'm wondering at the end of this episode mm-hmm. um, is, is Betty in on it? Mm-hmm. And if Betty's in on it, who else is in on it? <laughs> because I find Betty's behavior in this episode very, um, like, calm for having maybe accidentally murdered her boyfriend. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, well, I'm intrigued by the fact that we are already living very much not with anyone's emotional processing. Anyone yes. at all. Uh, any of our lead characters. Is yeah. that a consistent theme? That's... I, I felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how we do. And mm-hmm. Archie in particular seems like, for a good boy Archie, who like is tries to be the moral voice and often fails, he seems like mm-hmm. very chill. Now, I, I find it interesting that what we get first is, I think, more with um, the parents' point of view, which is not somewhere we've been for a while in Riverdale, yeah, necessarily. And... Um, As a viewer, I certainly feel the oddness of these characters are lying to us. But if if I view these scenes as from the parents' point of view, the parents are the observer, the audience, the listener to the narration. Yeah. Yeah. I also love how Alice 
like sees a stain from across a room and is immediately like, that's blood. Like, that's very in keeping with Alice's character, I feel. Yep. It's yeah. red wine. It's red wine. Betty's the smell. hilariously the worst at lying here. Although I suppose yeah. a fight for them is normal to some degree. Yeah, I mean, yes. But I do, th- yeah, I do feel like Betty is dropping the ball here and mm-hmm. is overwhelmed because she just saw her boyfriend die. But, um... Now that, that could be a stroke of emotional processing in yeah. and of itself. Betty's... Because, yeah, here we are, shaky cam, walking with Betty. But we're not really with... Yeah, that that's a really interesting mirror effect to use. Mm-hmm. Um, in the break, the disassociation, can combine with the shakiness of this, and, like, these... This, yeah, there's a lot in this scene we're, that we're observing outside of Betty's head. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... But, okay, so if this is Jughead's book... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. Jughead testing out the plot and is going to be like, surprise, I'm alive? Or have we just gone into Jughead's imagination and we're going to, like, pop out of it I would just, at the end of the season? I don't know how that could be done in a satisfying capacity, right? I don't know how you could undo eight episodes Yeah. in a satisfying capacity. It's true. Um... Um, so I don't know. So Charles knows. Charles isn't doing anything about it. That seems weird to me. Um, that should seem weird to Betty. That should seem weird to the other teenagers. Mm-hmm. That... His half-sister just killed his half-brother, who's... Um, her boyfriend. Her boyfriend. And Charles decides not to tell his dad, also Jughead's dad, also the sheriff. He's an FBI agent. Why is this not for anyone. Yep, 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 you're right, that's super weird. Yeah. Um, even having established that Charles, something ain't right with that boy. Yeah. <sighs> so the, here's Betty trying to work out what happened, but she seems so, like, I know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Here's what we all have to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We've skipped several crises. We've skipped an entire night of deep panic and processing and coming to these moments. Yeah. Um, but that may also just be a, um, like, that might be a narrative beat of where we're choosing to put the camera or where this show is choosing to put the camera. Yeah. Um, like I could see us doubling back, especially in the show and, and using a framework of how to get away with murder that is very chronological jump about. Um, I could see them giving us emotional processing later in the season, if that makes sense. That's interesting. Or There's only two episodes those. left, though. What? Are there, are there, <laughs> I mean, what episode are we in? I don't, I don't know. How long's a season these days? This is 14? Oh, this is season 14. Never I feel mind. like we've Sorry. got a little ways to go this We do spring. have a little ways yeah, to go. Netflix the musical. hasn't loaded them yet. The musical's coming. That's right. Right. They remember they're all in high school again every murder. Yeah. Murders remind them they're high schoolers. <laughs> Oh, fine, we're damaged, really damaged. Um, here we go, Sarah Florence, Naval Academy. Mm-hmm. Counselor? Why is she a counselor? I guess she's what? a Naval Academy counselor? Career counselor? Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. I was, I just, my brain immediately went to, what rank is that? <laughs> yeah, I don't think um, that's, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. So. So, Archie's it, joining the Navy? Cool. What? Interesting that we're circling back to this. Yeah. Um, the the interplay of um, dropping college in and out of each of these kids' lives is a little bit interesting to me. Um, partially because I don't remember facing a great deal of pressure regarding, I guess, post-secondary choices or options. Mm. I feel like there is broad, broadly a different culture with Canadian universities um, than the high-stakes application. Like, I've I've never heard of recruitment in this scale in, in Canadian universities. I know, yeah, it, it I know there are tiers. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So these plots always ring a little weird to me, or a little difficult to relate to. Something I don't understand this pressure on kids. Yeah. 
Also, mm-hmm. they make a big deal out of the will. So it's about to talk about Hiram's will. Spoilers. That makes perfect sense. Um, and Veronica reacts badly, and I don't understand. Veronica's a child. No, it's not so much that. Oh yeah, she is a child. Mm. But also, I I don't know this full grown man bringing up his will. Sure, maybe he's dying, but also that he's a full grown man who should have a will. I you don't know, know, it's just a weird scene. I completely agree, and that is a mature and um, important perspective and development. I I think practicing talking about your will and death and your eventual demise. We're all gonna die. Sorry gang, um, is a major life skill, but, um, I only, I am, I only say it's a major life skill with contemporary vernacular and vocabulary because it's a large social stigma that we have had to invent positive proactive language around in recent years and cyclically generationally have gone through cycles of not talking about. Also, why is she signing off on his will? Is she 18? I, she I, must be at this point. But they talk about her being underage later in the episode. Um, also, we should acknowledge that uh, Marisol Nichols, who plays Hermione, is not coming back after yes, this season. Yes, yes. So, Impact. Um, or Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. There's a big old spoiler bomb, gang. Sorry, yeah. we've seen the news for that, and it's been publicly announced, so I, it's not like it's they're not hiding it. It's not a spoiler, it. really. I mean, it is. It is in the purest way. Sure. But I think it's not in the way we usually roll. Like, it's it's material information that we are going to dig into. Yeah. Oof. We have the, the same script. brand of hair elastics, Betty and I. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Covering your butt. Yeah. This is this becomes weird later. Uh-huh. You'll see why. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. I'm guessing she talks to Jughead at some point. No. Oh. Uh, she doesn't. But this isn't the weird part, but Charles is just sitting there telling her how to lie to the cops. Oh. Yep. This is wild to me. Forgetting that Jughead was also his sibling. Yeah, and also this secret secret (laughs) chick plot that just hasn't been addressed since, like, episode three. (laughs) Whatever it was. We just know something's not right with Charles. And so uh, deeply not right. Uh, Far beyond the question of how did he ever get rank in the FBI from <laughs> uh, being in a flop house with his fellow uh, impoverished uh, sex worker friend, partner, to like in a month ranking as a, as a solo field officer with no supervision whatsoever. Yeah. <sighs> this is interesting um, that they, Donna at least, is genuinely expecting whatever fugue state happened to work. Maybe mm. the fugue state didn't happen, the word didn't work, mm-hmm. and Jughead isn't actually dead, and they've set them up. That would be interesting. That would be interesting, and that... That would be a little too convenient, almost. I kind of like it, honestly. We'll see. I'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would explain everyone's coolness. Mm-hmm. Really nicely. If this is... Well, yeah, perhaps Jughead is... Perhaps this is Jughead testing out his book plot, but doing it in a way to attack his enemies. Yeah. With a secret murder plot. Sure. I mean, we see his body a bunch, though. It's true. Remember what, fl- what's going on with the body? That flashback, the Dr. Cuddy scene? Yeah. We'll see. We're, I, I guess, do we do we get his body in this episode? We do. Okay, okay. So this is... Okay. So this is either so, fake or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no in-between. There's no ambiguity left for us. Oh. <sighs> Hi, Brett. Hi, Brett. Hi, Donna. If you remember... So... Um, so deeply, coldly, snark. Um, that would ring... 
Is oh, hey, Joan wearing a different uniform? I'm confused. Maybe, mm, 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 sure. Sometimes there are multiple uniforms. I don't know. Costume design got yeah. adventurous that day. Okay, so this scene leads me to believe that if there is a subplot that people are in on, Betty and Archie, and by Betty I mean Veronica, Veronica and Archie are not in, in on it. <sighs> Interesting. So, passing question of, yep, yeah, because this is a private conversation. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. And having a whiff of doubt. Yeah. In here is relevant. Archie just seems so unlike himself. Like, I feel, in, in crises, Archie is usually, or at least recently, has been very proactive. And Jughead has, was his friend from, like, childhood. Mm-hmm. So he's lying to his own mom. He's lying to Jughead's dad. Mm-hmm. You know, all that, these other things are happening. It, it's, it is odd that, that Jughead, that there is not a whiff of deep grief yeah. right now. That is odd. I agree. Um, they're dealing with one facet of this very f- narrowly. It's weird. You're it right. Is it is weird. Um... But it can't be just a book that'll be flashed back. That would be so cheesy. And I know, but the show is cheesy. Yeah. But could they make that work? I don't know. <laughs> um, this conversation strikes me as a little odd because to me, at least Evelyn thinks something is bigger and realer is happening. Okay. But... Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it, from what we've seen of Evelyn, she will take any opportunity to sow chaos. That's true. Well, oh, this right? might actually get explained later in the episode, and I just forgot. We'll mm, have to mm, see. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm enjoying having her actually as this, this deeply wild card factor. Um, I'm actually really enjoying her as the one lingering aspect of the farm. Yeah. <laughs> as, as far as a threat ends in treating her as a peer amongst the teen characters as she was established, even though she's actually a weird, creepy infiltrator adult. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, which is its own... its own whole thing. Hmm. Um... And then this shot of her looking down that we just had of looking down at the rock in her hand. Hmm. I feel like we're being pushed into thinking that Betty has done something either done nothing at all or I don't know this is actually the fact that we're the fact that we're having such an in-depth conversation about it means that it's it's an achievement of a mystery plot yeah um they've they've left us questioning with multiple viable but all outlandish options um that's fun and that's an achievement all its own yeah um kudos on taking us there in season four um in a way that is not, like, they technically achieved, I think, in season one, with a great deal of the Jason Blossom murder and twists. Yeah. But, um, despite having a 13-episode build-up, I really didn't expect this, this much of a question mm-hmm. to stand in the plot. Mm-hmm. In a, in a, in a constructed way. Yeah. <laughs> I expected a ham-fisted twist. Yeah. Not a cleverly nuanced and layered one. Good job. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Or job, at least. We'll see if it's good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm intrigued. Let's we'll see intrigued. if they stick the I'll landing, I guess. Yeah, let, yeah, totally. <laughs> We've got some great air time here. Beautiful yeah. form, but what's the landing going to be like? So tell me what you think of this scene when we have concluded it. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's Molly Ringwald. Naval Academy. Naval Academy. She has something to tell him. Nice, cute, uh, short sweater. And another family twist. Good, good gold necklace. Oh, hey! Yeah. Bisexual moms. Give arbitrary supporting cast girlfriends. Yeah. Do it, do it, <laughs> do it. 
Um, I do feel like the show needs to be a lot more supportive of its gay male characters, but this was nice. <laughs> and I also like, um, I like that a lot of the coming out narrative mm-hmm, is mm-hmm, usually mm-hmm, framed mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. the child coming out to the parents, and I'm always interested to see narratives where the parents have to come out to the child. Yes, and it happens in such interesting novel ways these days. Like, yeah. um, an acquaintance was talking the other day about mm. how their child commented something about something LGBTQ identity, they, them, and she commented on her child's Facebook post. Oh, that's one of my pronouns. And that was a, like, we never mentioned that. (laughs) (laughs) Cute. I love that. Yeah, the layers in which that sometimes happens now in, uh, in a lot of queer identity and families. Yeah. It's so, I, it's a non-thing. It's a sweet, heartwarming non-thing. Yeah. They better not throw any issues at this lovely bisexual couple. Yeah. I love them, and I will, I will, I will fight to the death for Molly Ringwald. My loyalty has been assured. Yeah. I love that Brett is genuinely scared, (laughs) and I love that Archie's like, yeah, I hate you. I want to beat you up. (laughs) I do think it's possible that Sean is taller than KJ Appa. Oh, 100%. KJ Appa is not a tall man. Yeah. Sean um, is actually a little bit towering in person. Yeah. Like, 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 he has tall, handsome, going good. <laughs> um, yeah. The height is real. Oh, yeah, sorry. That, I, that was a moment for me to be like, yes, and yes. <laughs> Sean Deppner, if you're listening, very tall and handsome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, this is a fun little moment. But fearful of KJ Appa in a great way. Yeah. I do... He, he, he'd fight a bear. Yeah. I do love that... So there's a, a dynamic between men who have just been violent with men and women who they are clearly not going to be violent with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that that little moment kind of captured it. Like, Archie is mm-hmm. clearly not going to hit Donna, knows that that's not appropriate any, in any social script. Right. But gives her this, like, I've got my eyes on you thing that, mm-hmm. I, that I think is very palpable. And doesn't mm-hmm. make me fearful for her as a woman, but mm-hmm. does make me fearful for her as a villain in a way that I like. I thought, I thought they balanced that moment very well. Right, that they were able to negotiate the gendered yeah. and it just, violence dynamics there yeah. without, fairly smoothly. Very smoothly. And the, the fact and that we have two roughly equal villains, yeah. uh, one of whom Archie can beat the crap out of yes. for social s- scripted reasons. Yes. And I think it's interesting, like, it didn't take much. It just took KJ Appa walking by her in a very specific way, in a, like, I'm watching you, but, like, mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm, not in your, mm-hmm. I'm not in your bubble. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was cool. It was a good moment. Yes, it's a non-issue. It's a non-issue! Yay! Yay! Um, but also, I uh, should say that, I mean, maybe Molly Ringwald has finally discovered she's a... Not Molly Ringwald. I'm sorry, Mary Andrews <laughs> has discovered that she's um, a lesbian and she's not bisexual. Like I don't know, I don't know where they're coming down on this. Oh yeah, but identities anyway, all over the place. Identities all over the place. Does it matter? No. Women who love women. Women who love of women. Of any capacity, it's. Um. So this is what I. This is what I'm noticing about the, Betty's character is that she's calling the shots. She's saying exactly what has to happen next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Charles, Charles seems to be like very chill with everything, and it just makes me feel like something. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I see it, and I agree. Um, I fully agree. Betty's Betty's got the secret information. We haven't been with her privately or honestly in any capacity this episode. Mm. Betty has secret information. And there is a clip of time of what happened up in there. Yeah. Um, my question right now is, is this a mystery of Betty's? Oh, what God, what scale knows. what scale is the mystery that Betty has? What scale is the mystery that Betty is solving? How much is she in on? I and don't know. But that's a, that's a clever line to give us to chew on. Yeah. So this is a weird sequence because we haven't seen any reactions from mm-hmm. FP. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen any work he's been doing. This is the first time we're seeing him. He's not in uniform. Mm-hmm. And just watch and see what happens. Hmm. 
And we also saw a great deal from him last episode, which is interestingly present. Yeah. So, he immediately suspects Betty. In an accusational way. Yeah, which is weird. Not like... It wasn't like, why didn't you tell us you had Jughead's phone? Yeah, or did you know you had Jughead's phone even? Yeah. Yeah, so... Mm -hmm. And then she makes up this weird lie, which gets explained in a minute, but... Mm. I don't know, like, this whole thing is so strange. Like, because we don't get any other reactions or work from FP. Mm -hmm. We don't... Like, I almost want to see this episode again from other characters' perspectives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I feel that very narrowly chosen um, storytelling focus yeah. in play. And mm-hmm. we, don't have any, we don't have any of the moments of, like, we're going to declare Jughead missing. Has it been 24 hours? Like, do they, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a night, two nights, three nights. Yeah. Has the school called, you know? Right, they've filtered it down to just these emotive and explosion, explosive interactions. Oh, sorry, she says, mm. declare him. Right. A missing person. So she comfortably so redirects, she keeps, yeah, she and the way her eyes... She, yeah, that was well played, Billy Reinhardt. Yeah. There was uh, relief that you took control of the situation. Yeah. Nicely portrayed there. I'm impressed. So Joan, Joan. But did she? But did that happen, or is Betty making that up? Mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm, what's mm-hmm. going on here? Mm-hmm. 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 I'm not about to blink. Are you? This distance doesn't seem quite like Betty tactics. It seems a bit more mm-hmm. aggressive. I don't know. Anyway, here's. It's interesting not having all the information again, and. Yeah. The information of our core perspective characters, who we've lived with for four seasons, but I feel like it's really it's been in many ways since season one since we've been missing this many parts of the view. Yeah, I am refreshed. So we still we're still missing the scene where Jughead and Betty and Veronica get sorry ah <laughs> Betty Veronica and Archie get arrested. Mm-hmm. We're still missing the scene where um, Brett and Donna identify them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Those are, yeah, those are our two guaranteed flash-forwards. Mm-hmm. So I guess we get the autopsy scene We do. Episode? We do get okay. the autopsy that makes scene in this episode. Sense. Yeah. Do we get uh, Dr. Cotty Jr.? I don't remember if we see his face. <laughs> I don't remember if we see his face. Well, um, I'll see if that tall, lanky body is blurly in the back of the yeah. frame. Get your money, Nick. Yeah. It was very sweet scene honestly i was impressed by the two of them if i could believe these two had any fun any sort of relationship yeah retained in any capacity <laughs> and family's hard and struggling with the the position core otherwise of family and one's life and values is, is a reason mm-hmm. all the arts about that so i think he's lying about his disease and he's trying to get her and Hermosa to get along better or something. I don't know. That's... This show has gone <laughs> gone so many odd directions. It's so hard to know now. I would accept Hiram attempting to emotionally manipulate all the women in his life, and maybe that's what will finally get Hermione to divorce him. Yeah. Maybe that will be the final straw, and she will be free. Yeah. Yeah, Hermione. Hey, Chloe, I want hey, to go what? back to that scene with Fred and Hermione and uh, Mary at the school dance. Oh, when they all come in together, mm-hmm. yeah. Through through the lens of fully embraced and realized queer sexual tension. Yeah, I mean, or just three rational adults being really nice to each other. Well, yeah, but I also I also like the idea of them as a triad potentially oh, yeah. in that Duh. moment because they have good chemistry. Duh, I would love as, to think that. Um, mm-hmm. Mary Andrews and Hermione Lodge boobs. <laughs> Fred in the mix. They had good chemistry in that scene. Yeah. So this is the Bloody Rock. So this is where Betty becomes... So this exchange is ridiculous. Look. Jelly... Okay. Just watch. Mm. Yes. Do you have any... So she asks Jughead's sister... 
uh-huh. about fake blood. Can you find it for me? Uh-huh. She gets a rock from her own goddamn garden. And she... And she knows to look for exactly the right type. And then this shit starts. This stuff starts. Sorry, Riverdale gang. What? Um... Uh Uh-huh. She calls Charles about it. Uh, What is happening? Yeah, and Charles is like, yes, great, let's hide the evidence. What is this plan? I don't know. And here's Charles looking mournfully at all the pictures of Jughead. Uh Uh-huh. And here's what he offers. It's just... So this is blah, 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 see if it's a match, etc., etc. The local lab will take over a week or more. There you go. He's <sighs> like, oh, I'll take care of it for you, Dad. Mm-hmm. But... And... And Betty's like, here. And Charles is like, great! <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and But at the same time, he's like, this is dumb. Yeah. Just, 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 just a little, inve- a little meddling in this is, some FBI murder investigations of and he and he, seem, he seems to be pretending to take her seriously. Not pretending, he's doing it. Is he? I don't know. I mean, he gave her the murder rock. You don't, you're not just humoring someone when you steal legal evidence from a sheriff for them. That is deeply beyond humoring I them. I guess so. Very good pajamas, Veronica, <laughs> in other news. Very good pajamas on Archie. Also, yes, yes very good pajamas on Archie. Rare. Um, I, this whole moment is so silly. Where she embraces the absurdity of her life? I'll give you one <laughs> guess where that call came from. Hermosa! What's this? St- oh my god. <laughs> the, the conclusions are just... I don't know. This episode is weird. I I accept all of this as people making cho- making decisions under deep stress. But yeah. yeah, we need a few more missing scenes and moments. We need some flashbacking to unpack what is happening here. Yeah, well, we're about to get sort of a flashback you will see also how do you approach the conversation with one of your dearest friends i think you may have accidentally killed your boyfriend like how do we how do we approach this there is no good way there is no good way it's true we can we can say that with confidence (laughs) it's true we can there is not a winning combination (sighs) Uh, this is the other thing that that she seems to be playing yeah. Archie and Veronica as much as she plays yeah. her mom and FP. Yeah. I just don't know. What is Betty's reality here? They're being so chill about Jughead's body. Like, right. your friend died. I don't... This we, is weird. We've skipped an extraordinary wave of grief. But yeah. also, remember Cheryl Blossom season one? Yeah, she was wild with grief and doing all sorts of wacky things. Well, she was first performatively. Yeah. And then we had the weird, oh, she, oh he's actually dead. Yeah. That's mm. true. <laughs> but I agree, we need... There's, there's a whole lot more emotions I expect from these children. Yes. Even though they're very well practiced with grief these days. This deep trust of Charles she's developed fascinating yeah i don't know about all this so i don't i okay a thought are they playing charles Ooh, maybe could he be the one who they are delving into what will he do hiding evidence hiding a murder He's obviously sketchy as hell. Yeah. Um, why is Betty not freaking out about that? Why does it seem normal? Yeah. And why didn't they tell Betty and Archie? And by Betty and Archie, I mean Veronica and Archie. I'm struggling with names today. Well, because Jughead and Betty are the detective team. 
I guess so. And Veronica and Archie are not making good decisions. Broadly. Broadly, broadly in life right now. Did she just, like, spray her with angel dust or something? Uh, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> um, that, yes. That's what happened. <laughs> so okay. that, so angel dust is real? I mean, PCP, yeah, oh, I mean, it's PCP. Okay. like, yeah, that's, it's a, it's a street name for a psychoactive drug that absolutely you can get high by accidentally inhaling a mouthful. Yeah, so maybe Don is bluffing. Maybe Evelyn was just messing with me. So scopolamine is real? Um... No, devil's breath. So angel's breath, devil's breath? No, angel dust is a recreational drug. Angel dust, oh, okay. Um... This is this is standard Riverdale hyperbole oh, okay. of a real ish medical thing. Okay. I don't I've never heard of Devil's Breath. I've heard okay. of Spopolamine. I've never heard of using it in a ninja style drugging okay. attack. But like, yeah, you could take a handful of cocaine, blow it in someone's face, and if they cough, they're gonna get really, really high. Right. <clears throat> Great outfit on Donna, by the way. Fabulous blouse. And I love that she has a matching phone background <laughs> for the, the like, prep school patterns. It's Argyle, yeah, I know. It's great. Hmm. Where always returns to the scene of the crime, blah, 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 blah. So this episode is largely between... There's a Betty versus Brett and Donna. Yeah. Joan, Jonathan. Joan is in play and makes a move in theory. All of that. Yeah. So I'm really curious where they're going to land the the last beat of this episode. Because that uh, that that defines a lot. Yes. Mm. Yeah, this is a very strange time we're having. <laughs> anyway, it turns out Donna's the big bad, maybe? <clears throat> I mean Yeah, that's possible. I'm I'm curious to see what happens with these four. Um and if they re- remain a unit or if there are cracks. Mm-hmm. Um up to up to the last maybe two or three episodes, they've been pretty Greek chorus. Hmm. Yeah. So this is I didn't expect this from Donna. Just this very like, meh, it's done now, good day. Remember when Chipping jumped out a window? Yeah. And they did not flinch. That's true. That's the sociopathy that these these four in the Stonewall prep have established. And that's that's what I keep leaning back to. That one uncanny, creepy What's this? non reaction. That's my arm, Chloe. <laughs> yeah, so here she is being like, We need to advance the plot now. <laughs> So here we go. But, what, but, but, okay, and Sheriff Jones needs to be the one to find it. Why? I don't know. Why are you, why must you traumatize FP? Yeah. I've known people to find their son's bodies. You don't recover from that. No, indeed. (laughs) I would imagine so. Um, yeah, so this whole sequences was in an earlier episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Filmed long, long ago. Yeah. And how completely stupid of them to, like, pick mm. one of the people who was at the party to be like, oh, it's over here. Oh. Away from the main group. Uh-huh. Just... I mean, if anything, that's a... Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. sloppy. <laughs> Okay, they're sloppy. They're sloppy, and also poor Archie. He doesn't seem to be reacting, though. He doesn't seem to be having emotions. See, yeah, you're you're super right that n- no one's no one feels like Jughead's dead. Yeah. Except FP now. Well. But even then, I mean, it has to be FP. Could only be because FP's in on it. Could that... That doesn't feel real. Not a lot feels real. 
Well, then why that weird conversation between Alice and them? I mean, they may have made the decision in between then and this scene to bring FP in. It's possible. Uh, but no shot, but, Nikolai. But 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 there's a dead jughead. Okay. Yeah. And Betty's real. And there's chill. And she doesn't want them to see it, particularly. Mm. Yeah, okay, so Jughead's not dead, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's where I'm sitting, but I'm biting onto the mystery. Comfortably, comfortably, happily. Yeah. And again, Archie just seems very chill, but he doesn't seem to be in on it either. And, like, Mary Andrews is the only one having any emotions about it. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, really mm-hmm, strange. Mm-hmm. I, no, yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. There's... Yeah. She, yeah, she just names it directly. Yeah. Great. Mary Andrews is the only real human in Riverdale. No wonder she left. <laughs> <laughs> and then... He doesn't actually, like, pull the drapes very well, but I guess the scene needed to be lit in a certain way. And then, what's the secret? We don't find out. No! Okay, so Jug is so not dead. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> well, we're progressing this, at least. Getting yes. closer and closer to Hiram's death. Good day, Hiram. I aspire to it. Yeah, I... Well, the Marcus Whale seems to be coming back for next season. Maybe. I mean, they haven't said he's not, but that doesn't mean he is. That's true. The, um, whatever decisions behind the scenes to... I feel like the announcement of, um, Skeetle Rich and Marisol Nichols' departure... To some degree suggests that their characters are not leaving with plot motivation. Like, they, they note specifically in the press relief release, we'd welcome both characters back. Right. But these, char- these performers are leaving as season regulars. Um, that generally suggests to me that they, in season five, with likely a declining budget, are culling their enormous ensemble cast. Yeah. Um, more than a narrative beat. It feels like it's irrelevant because they announced it. Yeah. She's wearing Jackhead's jacket. Just want to note. Oh. And she delivers a very Jughead line. <laughs> Stop eating like this. People will say run love. Oh. Hey, she was reading a script a while ago. I don't suppose it's in Jughead's handwriting or something. I didn't not notice. That, we're not that on the dot, on I the ball. I didn't notice. <sighs> Great outfit on Donna again. Um... Yep, taking them down. So Donna seems, like, actually kind of concerned. So there is something that Betty knows, maybe, Mm -hmm. that Donna doesn't seem to. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they have... They have marked her as as an enemy of note. I guess so. Right? They have worked so aggressively against her. But this is a scary Betty here. Yeah. And I fully believe, even if everything was exactly as it was presented... Here would um this would be crazy intimidating. Not Joe, not, not Jonathan, not even mm-hmm. Brett. Like this is interesting that she's marked Donna out. Um and what I was thinking before, who is will this unit crack? It's interesting that Donna is the cracking point that Betty yeah. chooses. Whether that means Donna's the weak point or that means Donna is the leader is really interesting. Just like mm. I told you she would. Mm. And she's sitting there kind of the way Jughead would. It's like she's being both of them. Like, it's just... Mm-hmm. And Archie totally just told his mom a secret, which is that Jughead's not dead, because she was having an emotional breakdown and worrying about ruining her son's life by coming out to him. Yeah. And she was having a week, and he had to be like, Mom, it's fine. I'm just doing some FBI stuff. 
It's fine. But it's fine. But it's but, fine. That conversation between him and Veronica—it's such a weird episode. I don't know what happened. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything makes sense. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm satisfied yeah, and intrigued. I'm surprised by how intrigued I am. <laughs> it's totally fun. Well done, Riverdale. Good job. They are um, making the most of of what they've set yeah. up, which is not always something they've achieved. Yeah. This, this is this is tighter season plotting than I've than I've seen since the first season. I would yeah. I would say. Yeah. I um. Yeah. So okay, theories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's Jughead's book. Mm-hmm. But that would be so unsatisfying in, I wouldn't in mind any it. way I can imagine. If they can pull it off, I, I won't mind it. Yeah. Um, Jughead and Betty are in on something together mm-hmm. that no one else is in on except maybe Charles. Mm-hmm. And they are doing it. Why? To take down Stonewall Prep? Maybe to take down Charles? Something else is happening. Which is that maybe Jughead is actually dead and this plot is actually just at face value and Betty's gone off her rocker. Which is an interesting choice, I guess. Possible, but there are just so many unspoken things and the hallmark... Okay, this episode is called How to Get Away with Murder. Yeah. The hallmark of that series is a misdirection. That's true. Um, and we, it is important to remember that this is the episode they chose to name... The, the the genre definer for what this television season is. Mm-hmm. And the hallmark is misdirection and using chronology, limited perspective, to show you the twistiest possible mystery story. Yeah. That's um, How to Get Away with Murder is spectacular at it. Um, so... The title alone gives me some confidence in not trusting anything face value in this episode. That's true. Um, and they they gave us more than enough moments of an unspoken or off-screen statement, not clearly implied, clearly indicated. But I don't know if any of the stuff not said is going to be any of my guesses. And that's fun. Yeah, it is fun. This is fun. I'm this having fun. fun, Riverdale. Well hooked. You've um, you've you've counterbalanced my deep unenthusiasm for Katie Keene. I'm sorry, I haven't even watched it yet. I haven't either. I just don't care. Really? I oh. don't. I really don't. I, I, I mean, about I, Ashley uh, McMurray. I absolutely want to see what Ashley Murray does, but Murray's the title is Katie Keene, and I just don't care. Because all I know of Katie Keene is she looks like a, a Veronica peer yeah. in New York and a really unenthusiastic fashion montage that just looks like any normal Veronica closet to me. Yeah, that was weird. That was a weird... <laughs> it had no punch. Thing. It had no oomph. None of the clothes was even all that pretty. Yeah. Like, Veronica dresses better normally. <laughs> Yeah, there were good. There were big good outfits on Veronica this season. Yeah. Yeah, it was not a venue by which we could be easily impressed. So, that was fun. That was fun. That was fun. I'm excited for next week. There's my live reactions. Uh, On second watch, uh, any fresh thoughts or things you rethought or saw again? It was weirder than I thought. Hmm. It was, like, even weirder than I remembered. There seems to be a very stilted emotional reaction to Jughead's death from every character. There is, um... And it's confusing. It was a quote that I wish I could quote properly in, um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead by Tom Stoppard. Oh. It's one of my favorite monologue bits. And it's a, it's a story about, um, sort of re- witnessing and disbelief. It's, um, the idea that two people witnessing something is the most um, believable, the most true and magical uh, a, a surreal thing can ever be. Two people witnessing a unicorn is what the monologue is about. Oh, that's um, cool. Because if one person witnesses a unicorn, 
you will talk yourself out of this impossible thing that you saw. Mm-hmm. It will not be true until you look at another person with that shared disbelief and process, did we just both see a unicorn? Um, but inversely, the more people pass to see the unicorn, the less magical and true the magic of the unicorn is. Because at the point of the mob, what you have is a horse with a stick on its head. Yeah. And that, no matter how magical it may actually be, the plainest explanation will, will settle into truth. Yeah. Um, in this moment, you alone saw this and thought, is this real? No. I am. Yeah. You were disbelieved by the magic. That's interesting. And thus we witnessed together. Gang, is this a horse with a stick on its head? Is it? Or is Jughead dead? I guess we'll find out together, hey? Yeah. There's your, there's a nice smooth literary allusion to, like, some 90s contemporary stuff you probably study in university if you're doing that. Um, I, I feel like I sound smart now, so I'm gonna wrap it. Great! <laughs> Let's wrap it! I 100% don't know that, only because I had to memorize that monologue in university. Like, that's one, that, that's totally not... <laughs> <laughs> Super profound We all tricks. have one of those. We all have one of those. Okay, gang, see you next week for this wild ride! If you're in Canada, or anywhere with solidarity... Protests, look into the Witsoten crisis and consider blockading some critical infrastructure and shutting Canada down while we resolve our deep-seated centuries of settler colonial violence. It's true. Also, Justin Trudeau, if you happen to be listening, you could solve this by just going to meet with hereditary chiefs and taking the premier with you, just saying. I mean, <laughs> in theory, he could solve that. He could make steps forward and solve that, but he wouldn't actually do the things or offer any of the actual things. And it does seem to be that way, Yes. Yes. We're all very mad. I'm deeply disenfranchised with even the leftist of left politicians. There are like. Disenfranchised, you mean disenchanted. Disenchanted, thank you. Yes, I'm not disenfranchised. That's not a white dude problem. (laughs) There are plenty of other problems on the table. Clear words. Um, Yeah, there's like three sitting elected politicians I'm not deeply disappointed in right now. And. I think I know which three, can I guess? Yeah. Is it Leah Gazan? Yep. Um, I can't remember how to pronounce her first name, but Kakak? Uh, Mumalak Kakak, absolutely. Kakak. And then is the third one Jody Wilson-Raybould? No, actually! Oh, who's the third one? Uh, uh, Nikki Ashton, who oh, has really? been appropriately supportive as an, as an, as a in, in, um, I want to say an established figure in the party of, uh, Leah Gazan's frontline activism, um, as well oh, as was amazing. one of the first party figures to actually name John Horgan, um, this is... You know what? I'm going to just talk politics for another 10 minutes, gang. Tune out if you want to be done with Riverdale. Yeah, bye. I'm just going to keep going. Okay? Yeah, sure. Yep, right. yep for it, Chloe. Can we yeah, do this? Can we sure. abuse our platform this way? Maybe not 10 because I have to go to work, but yes. I know Amanda might do this. Absolutely. Okay, great. Let's do it. On Arrow Podcast. So, okay. Um, federal, federal politicians. Federal NDP, provincial NDP. We have um, in Canada... Uh, a complicated party system um, that has parallels in federal and provincial levels, and federal state, as it were. Um, similar to there's a Republican-Democrat split at the federal level, at the state level, there's some overlap. Um, in Canada, we have sometimes different sets of parties at the provincial level, or the names mean different things. Um, the, oh, wow, the you're, BC... going, you're going very deep. Yes. Okay. The B.C. Liberals are <laughs> not again. affiliated with, with the federal Canadian Liberals. They are, in fact, a conservative core party who have much more in line with the the uh, the P.C. federal party. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's important to recognize that these parties don't always align, but that the NDP, broadly speaking, as an insurgent uh, third-party progressive progressive leftist movement yeah. has also, if, you, had, if you become a member of, of a provincial NDP party, you automatically become a member of the federal NDP. Some provincial NDP parties. Not well, all. Well, in BC. In BC, yes. Yeah. Um, Which is where Wet'suwet'en <coughs> Land is. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wet'suwet'en Land was here first, but um, yes. it falls under, from Canada's perspective, the jurisdiction of British Columbia. We've drawn British Columbia around Wet'suwet'en Land. Yeah, there we go. Um, Yes. Uh, the NDP as a developing third party challenging the long-established um, traditional left, traditional right, center uh, uh, conservatives and liberals, um, the the NDP are the newest mainstream federal party uh, of, of that standing, of, of rank, I guess, mm-hmm. of uh, 
of national standing. Um, and there is broadly more solidarity between most provincial NDP parties and federal NDP parties, which is why the BC NDP provincial party horribly betraying indigenous land rights and uh, prioritizing um, fossil fuel development, including fracking and oil sands developments, uh, dramatically undercutting their commitments to uh, UN uh, Universal Declaration of Human Rights of Indigenous Peoples. They put it into law, but they specifically gave themselves their own loophole that says, well, this doesn't reply, apply to retroactive projects that are ongoing. They yes. wrote that in! They did. Also, in, schmucks. in the early 90s, the the Canadian Supreme Court um, uh, declared mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. um, the um, Gitsan and the Wet'suwet'en had um, had never lost their land title. Yes. Canada's like, Supreme the, Court. The, these are technically areas of what looks like Canada on a map that mm -hmm. are, do not belong to Canada, according to our own Supreme Court. Yes. Uh, and, and, and to be clear, our Supreme Court has affirmed that this title is recognized under Canadian law. Yeah, Our Supreme Court has yes. no power to grant or 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 extinguish yeah. said title. It is the title of a sovereign nation yeah. comparable to Canada. It should be said, it should be said, and I don't think this is being said enough, that mm -hmm, to a certain mm -hmm, extent mm -hmm. this is an internal dispute um, for the Wet'suwet'en nation that non-Indigenous people can't comment on, mm -hmm. um, in the sense that the Tribal Council, which did say yes to the pipeline, um, does have jurisdiction within their own area, within the reservation. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the legacies of colonialism, and I say legacy be only because these laws are old, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying that colonialism isn't ongoing when I say that. Yeah. because it is the active um, legacy the active legacy exactly the active legacy is um one of the um indigenous youth activists put it at the press conference in at the legislature i think yesterday um to quote her and i forgot her name i'm sorry um there there is a conversation that the that an indigenous people need to be given the space to have without non-Indigenous people trying to get in there and deciding who speaks for the Wet'suwet'en, for the Gitsan, for whomever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so there, I, I periodically am worried about a lot of our rhetoric mm -hmm. in the sense that we are, it, I think to some people it looks as though we are definitively siding with the hereditary chiefs and saying that the mm -hmm. tribal council has no authority and is not a moral authority. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's problematic. And one of, the, one of the reasons I'm digging on Wilson Ray right now who's mm -hmm, an MP mm -hmm. for Ryan's riding who's indigenous herself and an independent, and kicked, an independent. Out of, kicked out of liberal caucus yeah. after being fired as the first indigenous attorney general of Canada yes because um, she did her job and said no you cannot interfere with an ongoing court investigation but that's last year's scandal that's last year's scandal um uh, is is that um, in indigenous nations need to be given the space to talk about how they mm -hmm. want to be governed without Canada interfering. And mm -hmm. um, we're seeing that problem play out where the conservatives, as an example, are saying, well, the tribal councils agreed. And, you know, most of they they're pulling these statistics from nowhere. I have no idea where they got mm -hmm. these statistics. Most people in this indigenous nation support the pipeline and that kind of thing. And it's providing Canada with um, the opportunity to pit indigenous people against each other in a way that's deeply inappropriate. And it's mm -hmm. not our conversation to have about who governs them. Yes. Um, that's super important context, Chloe. And, yeah. and a uh, I think a challenging thing to grasp uh, from a very fast and complicated conflict happening in Canada. Um, it is being largely painted as a pipeline protest yeah. or a um, a single issue reaction, where certainly on on the front lines and at events I've attended myself, the people I've spoken with, um, this core question of indigenous legal title and the conflict we have created by, as a, the nation of Canada, we have legislated through the Indian Act a highly highly racist. Um, law, a hundred, over a hundred years old, designed to assimilate and um, extinguish indigenous title and identity and culture. Mm -hmm. That is the system that is still in place, uh, that is still a form of exported pseudo-democracy, mm -hmm. that governs the reserve system, and thus governs the Canadian acknowledgement 
of Indigenous title, but it is under terms that are rigidly defined by Canada and that are accountable to the uh, Minister of Indigenous uh, Services, mm -hmm. which is... Which has... Okay, Jody Wilson-Raybould, the former Attorney General, uh, a candid quote, she was told by her father, a former chief, make sure they don't put you in Indigenous Services. It's the armpit of the government. Mm, wow. Uh, it is... I didn't know the that. classic ghettoization of indigenous sympathized politicians, the mm. the, the siloing, uh, uh, this racial siloing that That's really fascinating. goes back to Chrétien's early era, early era under the first Trudeau. Um, it is not seen as a powerful position, and it's seen as almost a race traitor position by many people because the core infrastructure is built on the extinguishing of indigenous rights and culture. And this is the same infrastructure that allowed residential schools and right. the constant expropriation of even reserve land. Um, a fascinating point. So many of these blockades across Canada, over a dozen, are on Indigenous reserve land. That's like 0.1% per of Canada. And all of our infrastructure crosses it. Yeah. I've been learning really so much point. about yeah. the intrusive infrastructure that cuts through reserve land specifically. Uh, from hydroelectric dams to uh, power transfers to um, uh, pipelines, none of which serve these nations, mm -hmm. and all of which were necessary to all of the rural settler communities I grew up around and in, but which were kept invisible from the majority of Canadian-controlled profitable land by appropriating existing reserve land. It's wild what we've done in the last hundred years, Canada. <laughs> Um, yeah. And oh, how man. much it's coming back to roost upon us, because now literally every one of our train lines runs through sovereign indigenous land for no other reason than we didn't want to give up good farmland from settlers. Yeah. Farmland, which is slowly becoming... City land. Uh, city, condos. <laughs> but also becoming un, unused in other in other ways, because we live in this <coughs> global market where farmers in Canada are underused, from what I understand. I'm not sure, actually, about the case you in, in Canadian more. agriculture. You would know more than me. Um, there is a big issue of the broadly suppressed um, grain markets in Canada. That's probably mostly what I'm um, I believe there's a larger land issue at play in the United States, um, oh, partially because yeah. of... I'm American. Sometimes I get confused which side of the border things are happening yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's complicated. And um, I believe there's a very specific issue in play in America that is related to crop-specific subsidies, having oh, okay. created monoculture industries that have both done environmental damage to the land. Uh, one crop cannot be sustained indefinitely. The cash crop cannot be grown forever. you got to rotate some clover in. you got to rotate some oh, other complementary okay. crops in. Um, and that's, that's part of agricultural technology these days, but three-ish generations ago, um, you know, a, a factor of the Dust Bowl in Kansas, a factor of the Great Depression, was, um, was surface soil exhaustion from a lack of efficient crop rotation based on purely economic crop choice driven factors. This is also, uh, relevant in, uh, developing nations in rural India, in Brazil, in mm. South American farmers, in, mm. um in um, less privileged nations, less wealthy nations, current agriculture deal with this crap cash crop that exhausts the land um, that so four or five generations ago, North America has learned how to avoid if only we remember to. Literally, if only we just take care of it, we're fine. <laughs> but systemically, generationally, cyclically, we quite frequently fall into these absurd patterns where, say, X, X thousands of square miles end up being paid to be planted as corn because of a, a, a multi-entrenched, like, 40-year twisted government support system that has gone from a backup safety net attempt to steer the economy into this dark, twisty entitlement that's been exploited by multi-generations of business. Uh, to re reformat land use across everywhere. So yeah, um, that is a major issue in... That is a particular conflict, I think, between um, command economy, market economy, um, synergistic systems. Hmm. Um, 
old holdovers of social welfare programs in America have been mutated by three generations of unfettered capitalism is, is my biased, biased statement of what I think is behind the majority of that. Wow. Well, so the reason, <laughs> so the reason this is relevant, if you want to tie in, is that unceded land, not Wet'suwet'en land, but, um... Uh, all of North America. Musqueam, uh, Tsleil-Waututh. Well, not all of North America. I mean, of, tr- of some of it's on. treaty, some of it's, it's unceded. Treaty. Treaties are a different kind of sketchy. If you are on treaty territory, you have treaty obligations. Yeah. Do you know what your treaty obligations are? Have you paid the rent? Yeah. Do you think your government's <laughs> paid the rent for you? Do you know that Canada, all our money comes from all this native land we stole? All of it? All of it? Did you know the startup? money from Canada came from the slave trade. Did you know that Queen Elizabeth I was a heavy investor in the African slave trade? And that a great deal me. of the the profit of the first years of the slave trade are what drove the fur trade in the Hudson's Bay Company. I didn't know that. The entire world is built on evil, Chloe. Well, on that note, uh, we'll... So what are we going to do in the meantime? <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we will come back to um, this very pleasant murder next week. Mm-hmm. That's not the note I want to end on. Um, listen, um, there's a, a hope in the dark. Yeah, some of those NDP people, the ones we mentioned, called out their provincial counterparts appropriately. Oh my god, yay, finally. Finally, some of the most progressive and radical folks. Um, Ashton's great, she goes to conferences with Bernie Sanders, and is like the one standing socialist, and she ran for leadership of the party while heavily pregnant with twins. It was spectacular. Well, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was working at an event where uh, she was speaking near the end of the leadership campaign, and she's also eight months pregnant. Right. And she wore heels on stage. That's hard. It is difficult to be eight months pregnant and wear heels. And gave a 15-minute speech standing. Great. Spectacular human. Great. Um... Yes. Also, right. deep socialist policies. Yes. Not just tenacious, but actually beliefs in all that stuff. Um, um, all the kids who are at the legislature holding it down right now, we're thinking of you. Yeah, the BC legislature is currently occupied by indigenous youth, by the way, as well as settler supporters. We're thinking of you, um, and I, I hope that um, anyone listening... Or anyone listening to them, I should say, opens Ooh. their hearts to the conversation and opens their wallets to funding it. Yeah. And I think I'll end there. <laughs> um, yeah. See you next week, Riverdale Gang. Bye, gang. <laughs>